Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus this podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. B- basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. I'm the Phelps part of that. Jeff Phelps, my buddy Mike Fratello, sitting in a hotel room somewhere in North America, getting ready to cover an NBA basketball game. Hello, coach. How are you, Jeff? Miss you. And, and I miss you, sir. Um, you're out and about. You're seeing NBA basketball. That's terrific. It's what you do for a living. Uh, in Cleveland, things have been interesting. Eight-game winning streak. Cavs were hot. Story of the NBA. And then the NBA kind of hit the Cavaliers. Four-game losing streak. Some injuries along the way. Uh, streakiness early in the season. I guess it can't be a surprise. Mike, can it? I think after we followed the beginning of the season here, most teams are around the dozen game mark, give or take one or two games. And what's happened is we've seen guys get out to early, uh, impressive records, and then they kind of fall back to the pack. And other teams that started out slowly suddenly kind of get it all together and start to move up in the standings. And I'm not sure if this has been the case every year. I just think back, uh, the great teams from the season before, that did not have a lot of movement in the offseason. I'm talking about free agency, guys leaving the rosters, or trades taking place. It seemed like those types of teams always got out of the gates early. They seemed to be healthy coming back. They knew what the coach expected offensively. They knew what he expected defensively. Like maybe, Mike, Milwaukee and Boston so far this year? Exactly, uh, because... 
Boston, even though there's a change in the head coach, right. the assistant kept basically everything in place, is adding a little bit as he goes along. But they went to the NBA Finals, so they come out of the gates quickly. Milwaukee may have won the championship last year if Middleton didn't get injured, if they right. didn't lose him along the way. And they have the same head coach once again. They've just added a player or two but kept the nucleus together. So you expect them to come back and come out of the gates because they want to get that early lead. They want to build up Ws. They want to secure home court advantage. All of those things, they understand how important that is when you get to a game seven the previous season and you lose, and that game seven was on the road. There's a point for the coach to make about, see, if we would have had home court advantage, who knows, we may have won that game seven Mm. instead of losing it. So. For the Cavaliers last year, let's think about it. When they came out and played the first 20, 25 games of the season, they were the talk of the NBA. People were like, wow, what, you know, look at this. They're playing right. big three seven-footers, and they're winning games. And they were the talk and surge of what was going on in the NBA. And, and now, you know, injuries, as happens every year, wind up catching certain teams, and we see the juggling going on. Coming up in the uh, podcast, we're going to talk about the Cavs' small forward position because that's the one spot in the lineup that you might think is unsettled for the Cavaliers. That's coming up. We're going to take a look at some of those teams that Mike just talked about who are maybe finding their groove right now. But, Mike, right now, the Cavs hot early. Then they, they put together a losing streak and trying to find themselves a little bit. What kind of a challenge does this present for J.B. Bickerstaff, for everybody, and, and I mean this in particular, you're trying to find your your groove. You're trying to mesh together. Well, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, your your key guys, have only played six games together. And in those games, uh, out of the first 11 games, out, out of 13 games, out of that, uh, they're two and four. How difficult is it? And, and I think they've done a pretty good job without both of those guys being there. But how difficult is it to maybe figure out exactly how you're supposed to play with this crew when your two key guys haven't been out there a whole lot. It's very difficult because Together. you have dominant ball dominant players in the backcourt. Uh, so these guys, look, they've both proven their point to us. They can score a lot of points when they want to in a game. Garland going off for 51 last game, and we've seen some of the performances that Donovan Mitchell has put together already for the Cavaliers. So between those two guys, you have a backcourt that can get you 60 points every night if that's what they wanted to do, if they were uh, not concerned with the overall winning for the basketball team, if they were not concerned about getting their big men involved, they've got an all-star center. They've got a guy that could have been rookie of the year last year playing up front. You've got to reward those guys. Then you have a guy, a veteran coming off the bench who's already won an NBA championship, who was still in great shape, still can rebound, still can shoot the ball and Kevin Love. So he's your sixth man coming off as far as the big guys go. And then a Karis Levert, whether he's starting or with the second unit, we know he's been a starter for a lot of the games in his career. So without these players, with the injuries that have taken place, it seems like you know the head coach is constantly juggling, trying to find the right blend, who fits well together. Uh, because you know shot distribution is very important uh, to the success of teams. Normally in the NBA, there are three players on a roster that take the majority of the shots on a team. And 
coach is watching that all the time to make sure those guys are getting enough shots in the game because they're your prolific scorers normally. And, and in this case, it's Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, and you would think Evan Mobley, but there's Karis LeVert, and Jared Allen's going to get his, maybe Mike, by working on his own and getting rebounds and everything else, and then Kevin Love when he's coming off the bench. Without those two guys in there a lot so far, Darius and Donovan, does that set the team back, Mike, as far as maybe JB's process on on trying to find this and make make the system work and make these guys mesh together? Or does it maybe pay long-term dividends because you're getting a lot of different looks and putting guys in different situations? As you know, this is not a woe-is-me league. The game's come too fast. Nobody else cares what your problems are in the league. Everybody's got their own problems and concerns. So as a coach, all you can do is go with the philosophy of next man up. When you move up into the starting lineup, because one of those guys are out, we expect you to perform at that level with the starting unit. If you're in the second unit, you get more minutes now because one of the reserves was injured and we need somebody to fill that spot. You have to be ready. Remember the old thing, keep yourself ready at all times. It could be a night that I call on you. So those players have to be ready. That's why the extra conditioning, the extra workouts, either before or after the normal practice, so that those guys are ready on a given night. You might be called on to give 28 to 32 minutes one night, and your body's got to be ready to do that. So it's part of what the league is about. It's too bad. You hope that your guys don't sustain any serious injuries, but over the course of 82 games, games playing at the uh, pace that these people play at, the size, strength of these people, the floor being still very hard. Last time I remember being down on the ground, <laughs> um, it, it does cause bumps, bruises, pain, sprained ankles, et cetera, et cetera. You just hope that it's not a real serious injury that knocks a guy out for a lengthy period of time. Mike, do you think that JB's having any trouble developing rotations or is this an, an opportunity for him to try other things with some of these guys out. You know, Dean Wade had an opportunity to start a little bit. He's been out, you know, so maybe exactly what they're looking for isn't something that they've had the opportunity to use very much at all so far. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Well, Jeff, I hate to tell you this, but over your lengthy association with the NBA, you did not have to deal with way back this thing called load management. (laughs) I'm answering your question in a roundabout way because we don't know what's being said in the uh, coach's office, in the trainer's room, in the front office with your, your president, your general manager, along with the doctors. If there are special things that are being recommended by them to the head coach about usage of players, I'll give you an example of uh, the L.A. Clippers. As you know, I also do their games, and they are not allowed to play John Wall right now in back-to-back games. On this recent trip to Houston, and then the next night in Dallas, Wall doesn't play the first night, yet he really helps them in game two come back from 25 points down in that game and come back to go up three or four in the final two and a half minutes of the game. Basically, John Wall in the second half took over the game. 
uh, with Nick Batum, who was seven for seven from the three-point line. But coach can't play John Wall back-to-back nice right now. That's a directive. So they all try to do what is right for the player. John Wall, if you ask him, will tell you, I'm ready to go. I can play every night. Sure, but, but they're not going to let him do that. Well, they don't want them to hurt themselves. You have to keep right. players away from themselves sometimes because they're so competitive and they love playing so much that they're ready to go and they're not worried about, is this going to weaken a muscle that will become more severely damaged down the road because they didn't rest for that 24 or 48-hour period. Mike, Mike, you mentioned the great start last year when Lowry Markkinen was playing the three and you had Evan Mobley as a rookie and Jared Allen really taking a big step in his career. And it kind of quickly became the identity of the Cavs last year. And we thought their identity going into this year until the big Donovan Mitchell trade. How difficult is it for the coaching staff, for the players, for everybody to establish, create, find your other identity this year? Because clearly you're, you're a backcourt dominant team here with still having two terrific guys in the front court in Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And if if you're those guys, are, are you having to go through a, a process to, to find exactly how you fit now as compared to last year? Well, it's a really tough question, a good question, but a tough question because you go from a huge front line last year, which can't be done in the NBA anymore. It's impossible. They'll never win a lot of games, but they do it. And they win a lot of games. <laughs> Yeah. And they're very successful. Yeah. And they have Gotham, who turns himself, you know, with hard work into an all-star last season. But now you have a dynamic backcourt. And your front court is just a little – two out of the three pieces are back again. That first reserve big man is off the bench, Kevin Love. But that small forward position changes now because of marketing. Right? Give something up to get a great player like Donovan Mitchell. Um, those guys up front have to kind of understand when they're going to get the ball, how many times they're going to get the ball, and be happy with it. I'm trying to think back to championship teams with really good front lines that had an outstanding backcourt. I'm thinking of the Pistons right now. You have a backcourt of Isaiah and Joe Dumars, both of whom could score 25 a night if they wanted to. Isaiah probably 30 if he wanted to. And then their front line of rotating between Bill Lambeer, Rick Mahorn, James Edwards, John mm-hmm. Sally, and Dennis Rodman. You know, how are you keeping those guys happy? Well, Rodman didn't care if you ever passed him the basketball as far as taking shots goes. James Edwards wanted the ball. Lambier wanted to touch the ball on the perimeter facing up so he could shoot the thing. Ricky Mahorn was going to get his off the offensive boards. Kind of like Jared Allen, maybe, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what uh, Coach Bickerstaff is, is trying to form right now and nobody does it any better than him because his line of communication is outstanding with the players. And I think you have a team with incredibly good personalities and character and understanding of what it takes, the sacrifice it takes, and giving of yourself to enable the team to be ultimately successful. That's the difficult part for the coaching staff to figure out how can we be ultimately successful. And sometimes... It takes changes. If you go back, Jeff, to the, the time that when I was coaching in Cleveland and we started that year with Derek Anderson as a starter and we had uh, Wesley Person as the small forward and 
we just weren't good enough that way. Wesley was a little small, a little slight to guard. A lean, yeah. We were getting beat up on the glass so we could become better, better rebounding team. Uh, we could be tougher defensively if we made a change. And I had to go to Derek, and I said, Derek, I'm going to ask you to do us a favor, come off the bench. On the floor at the end of the game, you'll be there. But I took Wesley Person from the three spot and moved them back to the two-guard spot. I put Cedric Henderson, who was coming off the bench, but that was 6'8", long arms, could really defend, could run the floor, could jump and rebound, put him into the starting lineup. And that little bit of a change was the difference in that team turning it around, going on a run, they won 47 games that year. So that's what the coaches figure out eventually. 